0: Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth Book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. Hello, I'm Midwife Pip and welcome to the Midwife Pip podcast, the home of honest, expert chat. My mission is to provide you with the very best support and information through pregnancy, birth and beyond with my online courses over at midwifepip.com. And as a podcast listener, I'm also offering you an exclusive 15% of all my online courses using code PODCAST15. With no further ado, let's get chatting. I think the most commonly searched words for new parents are, how can I get my baby to sleep? The sleep disturbances and deprivation of being a new parent are tough, as I know all too well since becoming my mum myself in 2021. If babies came with a sleep manual, that'd be great, but they just don't. So we have to figure out how to support these beautiful little joyous sleep thieves ourselves. I think preparing for the sleep changes and understanding how to support your little one in the outside world should be considered in pregnancy. So we have realistic expectations when the time comes and we know what to do. On this week's episode, I am joined by Lisa Lamb, known better on social media as the Night Ninja. Lisa is a mum of three and prides her sleep coaching approach as being non-judgmental and free from any bullshit. We are all for keeping it real on this podcast, so I'm excited to pick Lisa's expert brains on all things helping your baby to sleep. So welcome, Lisa, and thank you so much for giving up time in your super busy mum and work life to join me on the podcast today.
1: Thank you, thank you for having me and I'm super excited to be here.
0: So I have got Finley on me today Lisa and I have told him he has to listen and take on board everything (laughs) you say. Um, But I have to confess as we said we're keeping it real, I feel like I'm currently breaking every newborn sleep rule by breastfeeding him as we speak and hoping that I breastfeed him to sleep as we speak so so just just for keeping it real I am winging this as much as every new mum and very much in need of your expertise so thank you for coming on thank you for having me (laughs) so Lisa I just wonder what drew you to becoming a sleep coach was that kind of pre-children or did you kind of feel the effects of the new mum sleep deprivation and then decide to to kind of educate yourself I guess
1: yeah, so, I was, so I've i always worked with children. So I was a nursery nurse um, when I was younger, and then I became a primary school teacher. So I've always been in some sort of teaching. And then when I had my eldest daughter, yeah, I was just so intrigued about sleep. I had friends who already had babies before me, um, and I saw the struggles that they went through with sleep. Like, things like, you know, they struggled to come out for dinner um, because they were the only ones that were able to put their babies down. Um so I just, I was just like, so I didn't realise there was such a big thing about baby sleep, you know, being a nursery nurse, and then going into teaching, I just thought, you know, baby sleep, and that's just how it is. So when I first had Scarlett, I just did, yeah, loads and loads and loads of reading. And I wouldn't say that I was like, I struggled with her sleep because I was very much on it. I, I suppose being a primary school teacher, you're very routiney anyway. So that's the approach that for my parenting style, that's the approach that I went into that it was very quite a like a routine and looking back now my routine with Scarlett was very very strict um you know very different to how I did it with my second and my third because I knew so much more and I was especially by my third I was a full sleep coach by then so you know it's a very different approach to Scarlett so it was a bit more stricter um and really like kind of routine really trying to get these like long naps in a cot um and yeah, and then I just I just started helping friends and family. Um, I didn't even know there were sleep coaches even there. I didn't know it was even a job. My brother lives in America and he suggested it to me, thinking America was a much bigger thing, you know, back six years ago. Um, and so, yeah, I dived into it. And then, yeah, I just did loads of different courses and then started my business in 2016 and been doing it ever since. And now I do it full time. So I gave up teaching pretty quickly um, after becoming a sleep coach. And then, yeah, I've been doing my business ever since.
0: my gosh and as you can hear from Finley I am very pleased there's people like you out there because that sleep deprivation is brutal and I thought going into motherhood that I'd be fine with that because I was like I do night shifts you know I'm used to kind of pulling an all-nighter but it's just relentless isn't it and I think maybe we should start about talking perhaps about those first six weeks where certainly in my experience Lisa I don't know about yours but that seemed the most relentless Um, and what our expectations should actually look like because it's I think sometimes we feel that you know we'll just baby will sleep all day we'll put them down and we'll get on with life but actually it's not like that is it? Yeah
1: so I think everyone has different experiences and I think also like if you are part of a group and where some of you have had babies together I think it's really important not to kind of look at somebody else's baby and see and see how they're doing compared to yours so I think that's one thing to really kind of like focus on every baby is different every baby you know you can get a baby that comes out and they're just quite chilled they just do want loads and loads of sleep and then you get another baby that'll be a bit more alert you know some babies you know you know the first three weeks just sleep all day but actually you can get a baby that's already actually quite alert and the first couple of weeks and they're just not interested in sleeping or just struggle to get to sleep so my first thing kind of things to kind of is just to kind of like take a deep breath and breathe and embrace yourself that yes that you are going to be struggling with sleep so I think you need to kind of get your mindset around that um and not believing that you know that yeah you're going to get a baby that's going to sleep all the time it's not going to not be like that for everybody so kind of things you can kind of put into place <clears throat> newborn babies they do have such a short awake windows they can only stay awake for like 45 minutes to 60 minutes so if you're thinking especially if you're breastfeeding that is literally going to be like a feed nappy and then sleep again and you might find out if you are breastfeeding or even bottle feeding that they end up falling asleep on the feed which is really really normal um it's so natural it's this what yeah, it's how they, they suck and then they fall asleep. So really important that that's like a natural thing for them to do. So things that you can kind of do to help, to help your baby get to sleep is that you can, you know, they need lots of cuddles and lots of love when they first come out. Um, so really making sure that you're giving them that love and that need and that cuddle and that will help them to relax and go to sleep you can use a carrier so if you do have other children you can put your baby in a carrier and walk around with your baby um and then if you do have like a sleep space once your baby's asleep you can try and lay them down some babies would be quite happy to be laid down and some babies actually still want you to hold them so lots of like contact naps so really just do kind of just keep your diary kind of clear and not b- book in too much because otherwise you put an expectation on yourself and you're going to get stressed out that your baby isn't sleeping when actually we need to really concentrate really on the first six weeks is you know getting a feed getting your feeding established either if you're um bottle feeding or breastfeeding um get that established first and then you know making sure that your baby's getting the sleep that they need and getting it how you can get it so things like um so also when babies come out they don't know what day and night so helping them with that day and night so during the daytime having lots of light getting out having their sleep in the light and then at night time is when it becomes dark so getting them used to day and night and that will really just help their circadian rhythm to kick in around eight weeks.
0: Sorry, I just hit mute there. So you didn't hear Finley whinging around. He obviously doesn't agree, Lisa. Um, (laughs) But yeah, and that's really good advice. And when you talk about contact naps, is that sort of like, you know, post feed or skin to skin napping? Um, yeah exactly. I, like all of it is so good
1: so yeah if you can do skin skin like even if dad, so if you are breastfeeding you could like you could do the feed and then then you could then pass the baby over to dad so dads can hold um so yeah so just contact Nap is just like in your arms doing it safely obviously not laying down on the sofa so always following the lullaby trust um uh, safety sleep tips um, on there, but they, you know, just holding your baby safely, like contacting. That's how some babies do. Like, with my first, she actually hated being held. Like, I it was, it was like anyone that would come in would want to help hold her, and I would get stressed out. So, I'm thinking, Oh my God, as soon as you pick her up, she's going to cry because she just liked laying on her back in her space, and that's just how she was. Whereas my third loved being held. So, it, it, it doesn't mean that every baby wants to be held all the time, every baby is different. So, just kind of go in with what you feel. Was works for you and not feeling like you're making a rod for your own back and all that sort of nonsense and then first six weeks or the first three months you kind of just got to get through it the best that works for you um yeah that that's my best advice is I I think with your first you do you you take other people's opinions I know I did with mine but by the second and third you're literally like look back off I know what I'm doing here this is my child like you just got to follow your instincts of what feels right for you
0: You're so right. And oh my gosh, the most unhelpful thing that a new mum with like a under six week old wants to hear is someone else's baby slept through the night I remember yeah. thinking if anyone else tells me their baby sleeps through the night I think I'm gonna go mad like and yeah. it's that it's that comparison thing isn't it and we're awful at it as women in like every aspect of life and I think even more so in motherhood and even more so with your first because you're learning on the job aren't you like I've always said like first babies are kind of like a guinea pig in that aspect yeah they are they are. So you, you're they so turn great. out fine though the eldest will <laughs> turn out good she's a good girl <laughs> we'll roll with that we'll roll with that but yeah it kind of kind of feels like you're even more prone to kind of comparing to other people so I think what you said in terms of every baby's unique you know you do you they all figure out in the end is is really really helpful advice Um, and am I right in thinking Lisa that those first six weeks we shouldn't really try and stipulate any kind of massive routine it is just kind of going with your baby as they learn the difference between day and night and I guess I'm talking a lot of you here but I guess I always thought to myself when when little Finley was born it was only a week or so ago that he was curled up inside my tummy in the dark, hearing my blood flow and the centre and he's come out and I'm kind of expecting him to sleep independently in a strange cot with weird clothes on and a nappy and yeah. he's learning to feed and breathe for himself and all this stuff. Like it's a massive transition for them, isn't it? Yeah, no,
1: definitely. And that's it. I think our society expectations are just very different to actually what naturally we, we should be doing. Um, so yeah so uh, yeah as i said just kind of going with it and like root like so when we say like routines I think we need so some people I think when they like say like routines or like I think they think it's like a strict routine where you're like right seven o'clock get up feed the baby eight o'clock baby in the cup. whereas even with my older children it's not how how I work it's like looking for their awake windows which I truly do believe in like I've helped like like hundreds and hundreds of families um of trying to work out like even though it might say like a baby at like one month can only stay awake for 45 minutes six minutes your baby might be able to only do forty-five minutes, and a month another baby at the same age might be able to do longer. So it is you got to look at your baby's sleep cues, like especially for newborns. Are they like turning away from you? Are they disengaging with you? Are they like you know rubbing their you know their eyes, their ears, um, and watching out for these tired signs as well. So looking out for tired signs, and when you kind of feel that your baby is starting to get ready, then you can start putting them down. And what you'll find if you kind of just follow that, you'll naturally just fall into a routine. The baby will naturally you know like how they fall into a feed routine and actually uh, fall into a sleep routine and you're just helping that if you didn't put things into place and I don't know if you've experienced this, but I know some of my clients. You know, I get messages from mums with newborns where their babies have stayed awake for hours and hours and hours, and they feel like I just can't get my baby to sleep. And that's because now they're so overtired. So we do need to put these things into place. Unfortunately, for some babies, at that 45-minute mark, they don't go. Oh, do you know what? I need to go to sleep now and just fall asleep. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. So you do need to you do need to mind mindfully think about your baby sleep. But it's not where you know I need to put them in the cot and. I need to like let themselves settle and you know all this sort of stuff. It's more just naturally getting them into a routine. However, you can get them to sleep um, and try. If and if like I, I know, like I know, like with new more uh, mums, like that, I get messages where they'll say you know I can't get my baby off me they're on me all the time and that is really really draining especially if you've got other children as well you feel like you can't sit on the sofa for two hours holding your baby so once you've got them to sleep and you know they've been asleep for 10 50 which you can then try and lay them in to like you know the most spark or into their sleep environment um and using white noise like white noise is really good great for new um for new babies and things like swaddles swaddles are amazing um you might find at the start your baby doesn't like it but you know what I swear by them especially with my three children children, they just like loved it. And it's just such a great cue as they got older that they they would literally, as I was wrapping them up, they would literally close their eyes and fall asleep. Um, so you've got to help your babies, like circadian rhythm, their body clock, to get into that sleep. And if you don't, that's when you're going to get like a baby that you know is going to struggle and stay
0: awake for hours and hours. That's really helpful. Lisa. And I wish I knew that when Finley was brand new, because I had that classic that I'm sure, because it makes sense for adults, in that the more he slept in the day, the less he would sleep at night because he wouldn't be tired. But that's completely wrong, isn't it? With with new babies, it's like the opposite.
1: Yeah yeah you just like the most important thing I say to anybody I know that we um one of the questions we're going to talk about is length of naps but you know I always say to parents first forget about the length of naps like that is not important let's just get that routine going first just getting them to naturally want to fall asleep you know whatever that time scale is for them then we can start trying to extend their naps but as long as they're getting short naps regularly throughout that day then they're not going to be overtired and then you're going to get a baby that's a lot more settled because you think for a newborn baby if they have half an hour when 45 minutes or an hour they're going to have another little half an hour they're having them short little naps throughout the day they're going to be settled they're going to feed well as well so also like feeding and sleep you know they go par on par um on Mm them early stages
0: yeah that's that's really helpful to understand as well and then so let's talk about feeding and sleep so feeding cuddling using a dummy to get little ones to sleep are these okay to do I mean you hear such conflicting stuff don't you You know don't feed your baby to sleep or actually yes that's normal to feed your baby to sleep or use a dummy or don't use a dummy what on earth are we meant to be doing Lisa <laughs> we're just taking a quick pause from this episode so that I can share with you a brand that I know you're going to love as much as I do my little Finley is growing up fast And is almost on the move, which means it's now time to start making our home safe for him. Did you know that every single week, at least one child under five years of age dies in an accident? 75% of which happen in their own home. I think this is terrifying. And this is why the team at Cheeky Rascals offer a variety of products that not only help make parents' lives easier, but are also the safest on the market, including brands like Love to Dream, Rocket, and the Fred Baby Proofing Safety Range, which has everything you need to keep your little one safe and your mind at ease. I want to support you to make your home safer for your little one and prevent them coming to any harm. So Cheeky Rascals are sponsoring this podcast and offering you 15% of Fred safety products using the code MIDWIFEPIP15. So. It's so confusing. <laughs> I know sometimes I'm confused. <laughs> okay, so
1: look, when they're so young, they do need some sort of help to get to sleep. And the way that, you know, if feeding, using a dummy and holding and rocking your baby is working for you and it works, then it's never a problem. People that come, most people that come to me, um, they're at a place where, you know, maybe their baby's waking up lots in the nighttime or they want to change the way their baby wants to fall asleep because they they want their, you know, they want the dad to be able to put the baby to sleep or they want grandma to come over to put the baby to sleep. This is when they're a bit older. So, you know, when they're kind of at the newborn stage, five, six months, you know, mum has done like, you know, six months and she wants a little bit of a break. Um <laughs> they now want to now want to change it. So I always say to people, you know, if it's working for you, I don't ever change I never change anything if it's working for somebody. So the the main things I would say first is make I would check the baby's nap times first have a look at the bedtime routine, have a look how the parents are responding in the middle of the night time, and look at that stuff first. And then I would then look at how the baby is falling to sleep to see if that is actually becoming an issue. And sometimes it is, and sometimes it's not. So it really isn't a case of, yes, it's wrong or right. It's if it's working for you, amazing. And then, or if you do feel, especially like a dummy, Ryan, if you feel like you're popping in every hour, popping in that dummy, and your baby goes back every time, then I would say that that is like a dummy issue going on there and we need to maybe think about helping your baby to learn to sleep in a different way so it's about yeah it's just about actually finding out it's not always the problem
0: but it can be no that's really good so actually if it's working for you and you're happy with it roll with it like don't try and fix what is it if it's not if it's not broken don't fix it yeah leave well alone roll with it amazing so we talked a little bit about wake windows. Would you mind kind of explaining, Lisa, to us a little bit what they are and, and why it is so important we keep an eye on those? Yeah. So yeah, so again,
1: like, again this is another conflicting um conversation. Some people believe in them, some people don't. Um but I've yeah, I've used them since like for the last like six and a half, yeah, six years, nearly come up to six years now. And it's just, it's not something that is so strict. Like, you know, like if you're a six month old baby, you must do two hours. It's like a range. Like, so I have found that, you know, at certain ages, babies can stay awake for a certain time. So, um, yeah, so it's just about watching that wait window. So once your baby wakes up at seven, what I would normally say, save your baby's like five months old, I'd say their wake window's probably around two hours in the morning, maybe a little bit less. So just around that sort of hour, keep an eye on your baby, have a look. Are they showing signs of tiredness? Are they starting to disengage? Are they starting to get a bit cranky? So it's just about watching the clock, but also watching their tie cues. Um, and then, yeah, kind of finding their sweet, sweet spot and what you might find. So the wake windows are from when they wake up until their next sleep and that just how you look at it throughout the day and some babies will stay quite consistent with that time throughout the day and other babies will be able to stay awake a bit longer um as they go on like my little girl when she was 10 months she could only do two hours she just loved her sleep so much whereas most 10 month olds will maybe on like three three and a half hour wait time so again it doesn't it's very different for everybody and it's finding out what works for you but I for me I I I love this kind of guide I like numbers I like that I'm a sort of person that likes you need you need to kind of give me at least like something to kind of follow so then I kind of understand it so that's how I do my approach like I yeah I work with numbers just to give parents like a bit of an idea of what to kind of follow I think it helps
0: I think it helps because otherwise you and also as as a parent like time just flies doesn't it like you're like oh my gosh how has it already been you know x number of hours so if you've got a bit of a bit of an idea on that clock and then you can start looking out for those sleepy cues yeah I guess the whole idea of looking out for those weight windows Lisa is it so that you don't end up with a baby that's overtired and then sleep becomes a little more challenging yeah just overtired or even undertired. um so
1: yeah so yeah So we all know that if our babies get overtired, it's a bit of a nightmare to get them to go down to sleep. Same for adults. If we're overtired, we struggle to get to sleep. We toss, we turn, we find it really difficult to relax. And also if we're not tired enough, we again find struggle to sleep. So it's exactly the same for 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 a baby. You know, there's trying to put a baby, trying to get a baby to sleep if they're not tired is not going to work. And if they're overtired,
0: again, you're going to have a struggle. Absolutely. And uh let's look sleep you so we kind of spoke a little bit about them um so is that the kind of rubbing of eyes like you said kind of disengaging turning away is there anything else we should look out for that might indicate a tired baby
1: yeah so yes so as we said before so yeah. so turning away disengaging um rubbing eyes rubbing ears getting a little bit cranky um yeah they're all the kind of like the main kind of signs um and I think sometimes like with newborns we can some, especially if you're breastfeeding um sometimes get the signs wrong so once they start crying you think that they're hungry rather than actually they need a sleep and sometimes we can end up you know feeding rather than them wanting to go to sleep so just again keeping an eye an eye on that, that making jerking arm, um, that jerking um with their arms and their legs losing interest so as they get older losing interest in their toys staring into space is also a good one um, i remember with like my newborn um like my partner was like talking to our newborn baby and he's like oh she just keeps looking away and I was like yeah it's because she's tired so she's like get out of my face I want to go to sleep now um and some babies don't like I've had clients where they're just like oh my god like they just don't show any signs and that's really really difficult and that's why then the weight windows can be really helpful if your baby isn't showing any signs.
0: Yeah, that is super helpful. And I think Finley was on cue there when you uh, started to speak about the noises they make. So a great live demonstration. Thanks, Finley. <laughs> um, so let's look at sort of an average, I don't know, two month old baby. What yeah. sort of a awake window would you expect from them? And typically I'm going to ask that magic question. Um, how long should their naps typically be? okay so so
1: newborn so between three from naught to three months it's around 45 to 60 minutes that's quite consistent um and then from about three months to like three months to say four months they can do maybe 60 to 90 minutes um and then four months to five months like an hour and a half to two and then six months two hours two hours and a half maybe at a push at three um so yeah and then like it kind of like just goes up slowly 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 I've actually got um I'll share it with you um I actually did a post the other day with kind of like a rough guide on my grid so I'll post that and you can like maybe repost it on your um Instagram for everybody
0: oh yeah Um, okay so yeah description that'd be handy
1: so length of time um like anything from like half an hour 45 minutes is a good nap so that's what you're kind of like aiming for up to like an hour, an hour and a half to two hours. Um But what I do say is that if your baby, so at two months, if your baby does wake up at like half an hour, 45 minutes, even if, when they're older, you can always try to see if you can get your baby to go back to sleep. So I always say, you know, if they are having a short nap, let's try to extend it. So depending where your baby's sleeping. You know, if they're sleeping in their car or if they're sleeping in the Moses basket, that you would just go to your baby and try and get them to go back to sleep. So that could be trying to feed them back to sleep, holding back to sleep, some shushing and patting back to sleep. However, your baby, whatever method you can use to try and get your baby to sleep. And I would say try for like five to 15 minutes to see if you can get your little one back to sleep. Um, if they're upset, then I just say just stop. You know, if they're upset and they're done, just get them up. They're not going to go back to sleep. Um, So, yeah, anything from like half an hour up to a two hour is a decent nap. Amazing. I think it's important to see how your baby's temperament um, is. So like if they're happy, so I have got a baby at the moment who's seven months having really short naps, but he's actually happy. So, you know, even though he's not getting the amount of day sleep he's getting, his nighttime sleep is good. So on the 24 hour clock, his, his actual sleep is pretty good. Um, but obviously it's just the short naps is, you know, the mum's just not getting enough, like, like any break, which is you no, know, it's hard on her, but you've just got to be, as long as your baby is happy then that's a sign that they're getting the sleep that they need. And I think, I wish I kind of knew this with my first because I was so adamant, you know, the things that I wrote was that they had to have at least two hour naps consistent. So I was very much working to get these two hour naps. And eventually it did pay off, but it was a lot of work from my side. Whereas with my youngest, you know, if she had half an hour nap, I was like, Oh, it's okay, get her up. And we'll just have another nap, you know, in a couple of hours. And it was just so much more relaxed and more easier on myself. Um, So yeah, so that's my biggest thing about naps, like, every nap is good. And, you know, if they've had half an hour nap, get out, go in the pram, go in the car, go in the carrier to see if you can extend it. If not, they'll have another nap later.
0: I love that approach Lisa because it just feels quite gentle and individualized and I think it's really important that we don't view babies as robots you know we're all individual my sleep one night's completely different to the next night so how we can't expect these little tiny babies to kind of be exactly the same robotic sleep patterns kind of Every single day. Um, And can I pick your brains on something you just mentioned um, about uh, nighttime and nap sleeps, but the environment that babies are in, what should that look like? How can we kind of help them in that way?
1: So for newborns, so lots of daytime daytime sleeping. Um, but as they get older, so as they get older, you know, like five, six months, um, again it again it all just depends, like if you want your child to sleep in a cot or if you're happy for your child to sleep in a pram. Um, either way, um, you know at five six months I do recommend a dark room because as they get older they get more aware of their sleep environment so imagine you're trying to go for a nap and there's daylight outside okay as adults we'd probably force ourselves to go to sleep because we know that we need to have that nap whereas with a baby um especially if they've gone down and they're coming through that first sleep cycle around forty five minutes and there's light coming in it can just affect that nap so it's just for me like making protecting their sleep environment to get the best sleep i feel is really important so you can um if they're in a cot you can like make it nice and dark use white noise and if they're in the pram or in a carrier then you can just use like you can get like things to go over your um pram to make it nice and dark um so yeah that that's yeah and even if you're doing a contact map at home I'd close the curtains and just make sure that it's just nice and dark and cozy
0: for them and those things actually in sleep environment has been really really helpful just for me on my journey um and yeah, that I think it, it makes sense, doesn't it? When, when you think about it, but especially when you're used to having a newborn that all like in the first few weeks, just sleep regardless. It's hard to kind of recognize sometimes that you need to transition, but I'm definitely noticing that Finley's much more aware of what's going on. If there's stimulation, he's like, no, I'm missing out. I'm not sleeping, thanks. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll play. Um, yeah. And so yeah, that that definitely becomes, I think much, much more important. Um, another question for you, controlled crying Mm-hmm. Possibly a difficult one. What's your take on it? Well, I guess what is it? What, what is it? Um, and then what, yeah, what's your take on it?
1: So controlled crime from my perspective is when you put your baby into their sleeping environment, you leave the room, and then you do time intervals. So, like maybe one, two minutes, and you keep putting the time up. Um, and then you keep going in and out, in and out of the room. So that's my kind of take on controlled crying. I I'm not judgmental with any kind of like sleep train the only one that I like you know try to advise parents not to do is you know put the baby into the cot so they're kind of like cry out method into the cot lead mm-hmm. them and you don't kind of go back and respond yeah. the way that I do it and I don't think when I think when I speak to parents I don't feel like they are educated enough to know that actually this is you know you can actually stay in the room with your baby responding to your baby so you don't have to ever leave the room so it's kind of like, you know, some people would say that that's the same as control crying. But for me, when you're with your baby, responding to your baby, you know, picking your baby up whenever you feel that that, that you need to, giving them a cuddle. For me, that I think is, is a little bit different to control crying because you're there responding. But sometimes saying that, you know, sometimes even when you're in the room responding to your baby, they can still be very upset. And I've had times where we've been in the room for like two weeks and the baby's still getting upset. And so sometimes we have to just take a step back and just come out of the room and give that baby some, sp- some space. And actually, like I've had like a client do it recently and within like 10 minutes, the, the mum did go back in, but within 10 minutes the baby was sleeping and now the baby's going down with no crying. But whereas the two weeks when we was in the room at the time, there was more crying going on. So I think it's really to kind of, just say there's only one way to to kind of like you know if you want to change the way your baby falls asleep to say there's only one way to do it um I think it's not right I think every baby is different and I think you need, when you're working with families or when families are looking to change something to really dive in to all their different methods that feels right for them as a family and I think that's the most important thing um you know I help so I help you know parents I want to do it really really gently and I help parents actually like do you know what I want to do it a bit more. You know, a bit more stricter. So yeah, it's having that balance and what 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 what, the fam- what your families want to do, and just being honest with them and giving them the right information,
0: so then they can then choose. That is really really helpful, Lisa, because I think when we think of controlled crying, we um visualize like this baby screaming, you know, in like a complete state, and the parents just like sat outside, they're just ignoring them and waiting it out. Yeah. Um. So it's good to know that actually that's not. Necessarily, what what it is, and actually, perhaps there might be a gentler approach to it that might work for you. I then I've not sort of explored that with Finley because I mean, touch wood, we're recording this podcast with him with us, so I might be like properly (laughs) doing this. He's generally not an overly crying baby, so when he does cry it's usually because he's hungry or there's a problem um but the other evening I was downstairs and I had him on the baby monitor he'd gone he'd gone down to sleep absolutely fine and he wake up like properly crying and he is teething at the moment but anyway I ran upstairs and thought, oh my gosh I really need a wee if I'm gonna have to feed him for half an hour I need a wee first else we're gonna be in all sorts of problems <laughs> so he quickly went for a wee washed my hands came out and was like oh he stopped crying so I was like oh I feel like I've left him to cry himself back to sleep and then all that mum guilt came. But actually what you've just said makes me feel a lot better about that. So thank you. Uh, Yeah, I think I think I think the whole
1: crying thing, I think Oh, yeah, <laughs> could go so deep into this, but I'm going to be. But the thing about crying is that it's crying is not a negative thing. And I think in our society, as soon as a baby cries, oh my god, what's wrong with your baby? And straight away, you're like, oh my god, oh my god, like my baby's crying. I'm not doing something right. And I think that's that's something that we have to change as a society because babies are allowed to cry. And also as mums, we don't always know why they're crying. Like we fed them, you know, they've they've had they've had everything we we can possibly do. You know, like, they're just upset for whatever reasons. Um, And I think, like, when you hear your baby cry, what is, like, you can let your baby cry for a couple of minutes and see what happened. You don't have to respond straight away. Because as you just said there, you went to the toilet. And actually, when you came out, your baby then, like, went back to sleep or settled or was happy. So then, you know, actually, they were just having a bit of a moment. You know, so I think it's important to kind of understand your baby's kind of cry. So I kind of have, like, a ladder just so my parents can know actually if they're shouting and just like chatting away actually just leave them that's fine babies make noises in the middle of the night time sometimes they might like cry and stop crying and so until they're really crying for you like really crying then you can go in and respond and whatever need that that they that they want if you need to feed them back to sleep hold them to pat them put their dummy back in but i think sometimes like just actually just waiting and seeing it actually makes you as a parent learn what your baby needs, rather than rushing in too quickly. And actually, oh, well, actually, I don't even know what, what my baby needs right now. So yeah, just being a bit more aware of your baby's cry and, and feeling that you don't have to jump all of the time. I think that's one of the things with, with my clients. Like I just, I always tell them to go in when they feel. they need to go in because everyone's levels of crying is very different Mm. um so I think by telling someone to go in when you feel right actually that's a cry that I need to go in it just helps them to be a bit more in tuned um and I get a lot of good feedback that actually just changing that that mindset for them because
0: it's a big sometimes a big game changer for them yeah and like you say it's getting to know your baby you know you know when your baby's crying because and uh, maybe maybe they're just drifting off and then they're sort of crying a bit and babbling a bit and they're absolutely fine their eyes are still closed yeah. um, or when they're crying like out of some sort of distress and and you only get to know that by responding to your own baby don't you so I I love that Lisa I love how sort of gentle and and unique you are and how it's not kind of you know one size fits all every baby is completely different.
1: I'm trying <laughs> I've done a lot of courses and like, I'm
0: learning all the all the time Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, that's so important, isn't it? Because there's more research coming out. And, and I just wonder from your I mean, I don't think as far as I'm aware, there's any evidence for it. But just from your experience working with families, do you find that babies sleep any better? Or I don't want to say worse, because that's really negative, isn't it? But do you think babies sleep differently, depending on the mode of feeding? So sort of formula fed babies or bottle fed babies or breastfed babies?
1: No, so maybe like as newborns, like just because obviously breastfed babies, they feed a little bit more often. Um, but no, I get breastfeeding and bottle feeding mums with very similar stories. Um so especially as they become older and at the newborn, like the way that they fed has nothing to do with their sleeping. You know, it is biological. It's, it's, it's getting them daytime naps, getting up that nice bedtime routine. You know, if your baby is waking up lots of times in the nighttime, you know, trying to work out, is it a medical thing? Is there something else going on? Is there something else under, underlined? And once you've kind of, you know, actually you know everything's fine, then you can maybe get to a bit more deeper of what's kind of going on.
0: Yeah, that's that's really good to know. And I think... There's, there's so much and I get messages from mums all the time on Instagram saying you know they feel they feel they're doing something wrong because their baby's not sleeping like Google or Wikipedia or mumsnet tells us to and that's a whole nother rant isn't it I'm sure yeah um, but actually I think the way that you've you've sort of spoken around sleep today Lisa has hopefully helped those mums realise that actually it's nothing they're doing wrong this is just normal absolutely normal parenting absolutely normal newborn behaviour it's not that they're not doing something or not responding to their baby's needs it is just the way it is
1: yeah like it's really tough like you know like you know, I, I I would say that, you know, with all my three children, you know, I put a lot of work into their sleep. It wasn't, you know, all my three children are really good sleepers. They have been from kind of day dot because I put things into place, but it was hard work for me. It wasn't something that was easy. I think with my first, um, you know, I was going back to work after nine months, back to full time teaching. My mum was having my baby. So I wanted to be at a point with where my mum could just put my baby down into the cot. She napped and it just was easy for her. So for me, I had that nine months to get that kind of sorted. Um, I and mean, with my third, it was a little bit different because I was working from home. And also I had two other kids that were going to nursery and it was like a bit more of more of a juggle. Um, so, yeah, it is it is really, really difficult. Um, I was lucky that I had support with my mum, you know, with my third. I'd leave her at home a lot just sleeping because I had that opportunity. So for me, it was like, well, what's the point bringing her out? She sleeps better in her cot, mm. so I'm just going to leave her at home. And I had that support, but not everyone does have that. So you have to put into a schedule that works for you as well. So I always say, so another really good tip, I'd say, you know, if your baby is napping in the cot, choose a nap that's the best. So if the morning nap is normally their best nap, then I always say try and stay at home for that and then go out and have that afternoon nap in the pram or in the car. Or if you find actually my baby sleeps better in the afternoon, then do go out in the morning time and then have that afternoon nap. So have that kind of balance so you can get out and about because being at home, with my first, I didn't mind it um, because I knew I was going back to work. But by my third, being at home every day, you know, it was draining. So I would always then make sure that I would, I would jeopardise a nap and I will just get out and about. So, yeah, have that balance. That is Hats, a really good point, Lisa. You know, car naps, pram naps, contact naps, co- they're all decent naps. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if your baby does prefer to sleep in a cot, then, yeah, just work out when when that one can be in the cot.
0: That is such a good point there, Lisa, actually. I'm really pleased you said that because I remember looking at, like I'm sure every new mum does, looking at um, like baby sleep routines and being like, great. So if Finley does sleep in his cot, when do I like do life? I'm literally now a prisoner to my house because he has to sleep in his you know in his cot like every few hours like how do you do life so actually that's a really good tip that actually it's fine use you know use the car seat use the pram get out because that's so important for maternal mental health in that postnatal period as well Um, and certainly pram walks and carrier walks were life-saving for me like absolutely loved it and it was a great nap opportunity for finley too
1: Yeah. And that's yeah, I think it's all just different. Like, you know, I was a mum that was quite happy to be at home. You know, a lot of my mums, they want to get out. So I think it's like looking at what works for you as a family, Mm. and then putting things into place for you Like I get families where they want the babies napped in the cot. So we work to get babies napped in a cot, but another family where they want a mixture. Or I have a family that want to get the baby to self-settle in the cot, but they actually don't mind co-sleeping in the middle of the night time. So we work on that. And then in the middle of the night time, the baby ends up co-sleeping. So it can just be, you've got, yeah, it's what your family and what works for you and what you want and just get Your blinkers on, don't care about what anyone else is doing and what works for you. That is, that is like my- such
0: such an important message. I feel like we need to just shout that from the rooftops. <laughs> you know, don't compare, you do you. Every baby's different. There is no textbook, you know, they aren't robots. Um, yeah, really, really valuable, I think. So, let's um, let's fast forward. So, we've talked a lot about tiny babies, and um, when we think about transitioning babies from your room to their room so i know the lullaby trust um explains that the first six months we always recommend sleeping in the same room as your baby for both day and nighttime sleeps but when the time is right and i'm guessing you're probably going to say there is no definite time because we are <laughs> how did we are, you
1: know that <laughs> we are,
0: um, which i love which i love because sometimes that feels like a pressurized time yeah. scale um how can we or any tips I suppose for a nice smooth transition or as smooth as possible if there's such thing yeah. to get your baby to sleep in their own room
1: so uh, yeah I think people are just so scared of this aren't they of the track of the transition but most babies in my experience actually do really well especially if they're especially if they're already sleeping in their own space in your room then that's a bit more of an easier transition to a different transition from co-sleeping to a cot is so that's yeah. a kind of a bit of a different um kind of movement um but yeah I just like think just go for it whenever you feel right like it's I think like you know some parents at six months want their babies in the cot and then they feel guilty because they're like oh my god well my friend's still got their baby in the cot and I, I think we always feel guilty no matter what so oh, as you said, just move like, your relentless. baby when you feel that it's ready um and don't ever feel pressured like even to get your baby to sleep well you know you can still have your baby in your room you don't need to ever so I never I leave that up to my parents whenever you know if they've got the baby in the room it's up to them like we can do the work together no matter where the baby sleeps um so I always I think the best transition is actually just maybe making up a bed in that room for a fir- for the first like mm-hmm. week. Some babies just adapt to it really quickly and you can just put in so if your baby's already going into the cot in your room, the transition will probably be quite easy for them it's more for you the transition is like you've got to do a bit of work on yourself you're probably going to be watching the monitor like literally like all night and not get (laughs) any sleep so what you could do is maybe set up a bed in there so then you can just be there so if the baby is waking up you can respond to them quickly um and even like with co-sleeping you can like you know maybe camp out and do like a camping out method um with them to kind of like transition and into the cot but they're not like babies that settle well into their cots already or even if you're feeding them putting into their cot they're they transition pretty well. I don't really have many issues with that.
0: Oh, I'm going to take you on that. That is going to be my little bit of reassurance when we navigate that in a, in a few months' time. Just do it when you're ready, though. Like, don't, like, don't, don't rush it.
1: Like, it's... It, <sighs> Like, obviously, we all disturb each other's people. Like, we all disturb. Like, my partner disturbs my sleep all the time. I wish I had a spare room to kick him in there. But, you know, we don't have the big enough space. But, you know, babies are noisy. And some babies are much noisier than others. And sometimes when I have a call, actually, with people, and I dive a bit deeper, and I'm like, hmm, actually, this baby's sleep, there's nothing wrong with this baby's sleep. It's just that the baby's making noises and disturbing the parents' sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's always quite interesting as well, that actually – um, sometimes we think we're having a sleep issue with our babies, but actually, if you, it, like I always say, Well, if they were in their own room, would your baby be waking you up? And they're like, No, I'm like, Yeah, it's just your baby's making noises, no actually sleep
0: issues here. And so, then it's probably a good time to get them in their own room. So then, you yeah,
1: can <laughs> I never pressure that
0: though. Like, <laughs> I'd like, I just, yeah, <laughs> I love it. Amazing. Now, I wonder whether you could. I Everyone that comes on, Lisa, I always ask for three top tips. And I was thinking, What would be a good three to ask you? Because there are so many top tips I know everyone I know. wants from infant sleep. And I will link um, Lisa's website and her Instagram page in the description. So you can find lots of tips on there because the stuff you put out is just awesome and so, so easy to grasp and helpful. But I thought perhaps we could touch on bedtime routine with your three top tips. Yeah. If you, if you can narrow it down to three, I know that probably. Feels yeah, bad. no, you know what,
1: bedtime, bedtime routine, just keep it nice and simple. Um So, what do you mean what to put into a bedtime routine or
0: yeah, perhaps on creating
1: a bedtime routine. Yeah. Let's okay. Yeah. Perfect. Like, and just keep it simple. I always recommend a bath um if not bathing then uh like a top and tail kind of wash hands wash face wash feet um because it's just such a good cue that the end of the day is coming it's something so different from the sensations of anything they've experienced throughout that day and it just helps with the warm bath and obviously as your baby gets older i always get asked this question oh my god like you know as my baby gets older they're like splashing it's not more relaxing but that's fine get that last burst of energy out of them um and then pajamas
0: feed story bed keep it simple nice I like that that and and I guess in terms of consistency same time every night
1: same time every night if you can but adjusting it to naps especially like with the younger babies like if naps have been a bit rubbish that day then bring bedtime earlier or if they've actually slept a little bit later that day then move bedtime later so again watching the awake windows and adjusting bedtime to that so you, you might maybe move in bedtime like half an hour earlier or later um I think that's a really good key because I think with my first, I was very much like, oh my God, she has to be in bed at seven. Like I was on a like a it's really like a, it was like a time schedule for her. But what, what I struggled with was when she woke up early from the nap, I'd be like, Well, she can't nap now all the way till like two o'clock, or she can't have her feed now until this time. Mm. Um, not realizing that actually I could have just moved everything. And this is the thing that's wrong with the books out there that are very like, you know, it's okay, maybe if you've had a baby before, you might be like, I oh, actually no, this doesn't work, but with your first, you literally have that book as your Bible. Um so I had like lots of upset from her because I because she was tired or she was hungry. So yeah, m- remember everything can be movable. Yeah. I've
0: literally got 5% left on my computer I need to run and get my charger Oh that's the way I won't, I won't keep you too much longer Sorry I could literally talk to you all day Lisa um, And pick all your brains But but thank you It has been so so helpful to talk to you um, And I know that this will help so many so many mums And I really hope that actually the take home More than all of your incredible practical tips Is ditching that mum girl And getting rid of that awful comparison That is just a nightmare yeah. um, But best of all Lisa about our chat is that Finley's now asleep.
1: I kind of had that magic sometimes when I do my (laughs) consultations, and then they're like, oh my God, they're asleep.
0: We do do, (laughs) do definitely all need you in our homes. But yeah, thank you so much for your time, Lisa. That is going to be so helpful for so, so many new and expectant parents. And I will, as I say, all Lisa's details are linked in the episode description. So you can find lots more Night Ninja wisdom over there too. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've absolutely loved it. And that's it for another episode. I hope you enjoyed listening. Remember, you can use your exclusive discount code, podcast15, on all my online courses. And why not check out my free mini course while you're there too. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, remember to hit subscribes so you're the first to hear about all the upcoming chats too. And I'd be immensely grateful if you could take a couple of minutes to leave me a quick podcast review too. I look forward to speaking to you again very soon.